Wendy, thanks for being here. And thanks for coming and sharing your heart and your story. And, you know, this just gets to be an exploration for us in this conversation because that's what healing is all about is venturing out into the unknown. <laughs> yeah, That's one of the things I've discovered is a breaking point between physiologically making your body do something and actually healing is usually the moment when my client or someone around me says, all the known stuff I've been doing isn't working anymore. And we got to go out past that edge into the unknown. And that's when, that's when it gets fun. Yeah. We're scary. We're all the things. Right. So where do you want to start? There's two journeys. There's my own journey. And then there's my daughter's journey, you know, from a mother's perspective. And there's probably a lot more that I can contribute from a mother's perspective. And I think I'll start, I think I'll just start with that. And that's, so my daughter, her journey began, well, when she was born. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, but about four months into the journey is when she started to have some seizures. And that was pretty eye-opening. I didn't really know what I was looking at. And it's interesting because in that same time frame, I was just discovering for myself more about how to live healthier. Mm-hmm. So it was like she came, she came into this life almost like knowing who to come to to heal and me not knowing that I was going to be providing and contributing in the very beginning to heal more like, you know, as a parent, we're like, no, we're going to raise child and keep them healthy. But, but when we were presented with her, you know, her condition, it was a little scary at first because I didn't know the first thing about pharmaceutical drugs and how to treat seizures. And so that was a, a big learning curve, but what's made the biggest difference is being open to discovering what other modalities could support her in kind of lessening the load of the burden of the impact of the seizures, you know, so, and the impact of the pharmaceutical drugs, which, you know, today, 11 years, 11 years later, you know, I still administer the drugs, but there's a part of me that's getting to this place where I'm starting to realize like she chose this body, right? And I've, I've really done a lot to, to support her, but, but I've also noticed that it's come from a place of trying to fix the seizures or make them go away. And I almost feel like she is okay. You know, one of the things that we said as parents a while back, several years ago, quite a few years ago, was that to her, it's just part of every day. It's just, you know, it doesn't land, it doesn't occur for her like there's something wrong here, you know, and that I think where I've grown in supporting the healing process for her is sort of stepping back away from trying to fix it and really offer an environment 
where she can thrive. And, and that includes, you know, having fresh, you know, pesticide free organic foods prepared for her. That includes, you know, having proper supplementation that's, you know, you know, scientifically backed by, you know, real science and having, and having a lot of love. And I think that that's, that's really where I wanted to go with this whole journey in the beginning when I first started talking was that it's, it's the love that's present, not just in how we are with her and how much we love her, but it's at the core of who she is, like her being like, so, so there's this balance that's there in the, in the healing process that is naturally happening because she is the vibration of love. Like she's just love and joy <laughs> pretty much all the time. And, you know, and then who we are with her and how we be with her is so loving and accepting. And, and that just, I feel like that really cultivates the environment enriches the environment in which she gets to heal and thrive in. Mm-hmm. So from an outsider's perspective, and I know there's lots of different ways to relate to this, but what's her official diagnosis? Like, what was it? And maybe it's even changed over the years, but. It hasn't, it hasn't changed. It was always epilepsy, some developmental delay, some cognitive intellectual disability. I don't know what word to use, but we're kind of fine tuning that part. Like, like as she gets older, her brain is still growing the the ability to contextualize the ability to understand different concepts is is opening up more and more i think up until about age eight she really couldn't decipher whether you know something was hot or cold or understand the concept of it unless she touched something that was really hot but again that that's typically how most kids learn but I think by age eight, that's later in the game for her. So, and because of the way the, her brain kind of developed, there's, there's also been some characteristics of autism. So that's been an interesting discovery in how to really support her in some of the typical like behaviors that occur that might not be appropriate for her to get something done or learn something in school or, you know, so like working with all that too. Yeah. So there's a lot of different aspects. Yeah. And, and so like, I almost hesitated to even ask the question because one of the things that I've grappled with in my own work and with clients is like where diagnosis can be a trap and where diagnosis can be empowering because it gives you distinction around what's so and, and what there is that could be done differently. And I think a lot of our cultural relationship to diagnosis is more like a trap. It's like a life sentence. It's like it now means something about you and you are this way and there's a deficiency versus just being like in like like a color, like something's like green or it's orange or it's red or it's yellow. And it's like there's not like green is bad and red is good. It's just this like what's so. And we don't often hold medical diagnoses that way, especially with the development of our children and all of that. And so like how has that been for you? Well, I can definitely 
see it being a trap simply because every time we have a, an appointment with the neurologist, the very first question is, has she had any seizures? And then after that discussion, the next point is, let's look at the medication, you know, mm -hmm. and her neurologist always wants to add in more medication because she still will have a seizure from time to time. And in their view, that's, that's not okay. So, and I don't jump to that. I, I literally kind of just say to, to the neurologist that, you know, we're, we're going to hold where we are at the, the levels and the doses that we're on. And the neurologist is very clear that our goal and, and our intentions is that she be seizure-free and medication-free at some point in her life. And she may never, I don't know, but it, that's, that's where we stand. And that's why I've been so open to discovering what other forms of, of healing modalities we can do to support her. CBD has been something for sure that has um, been part of her journey for a while now, probably the last five years. So I'm definitely not a human being that conforms or likes to conform. I know there's some things I have to conform to, but, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, as any parent would say, they want the best for their child. And they, they don't like to see their child suffer, you know? Right. And so, I don't know. I really feel like we could take this conversation about my daughter's diagnosis into a whole different arena in that, when she, I've witnessed when she has a seizure sometimes afterwards, her speech is clearer. She will say something new that she's never said before. It's almost like the circuitry and the wiring did something to forward her development. Some miraculous, you know, kind of download or something. <laughs> I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat right now because I mean, your visceral experience and discovery and willingness to observe and willingness to look, to even look through the possibility that the seizures might not be a problem. Like we just assume seizures are bad and doing damage. We literally assume it because if you look at MRIs and if you look at the brain, we don't have evidence that the seizures actually do damage in a lot of cases, if not most of them. It's just that when we yeah. witness it, now there's making sure they're in a safe space and making sure that they don't injure themselves. Like there yeah. are things to be responsible for, but it's so fascinating and exciting. I don't have the, the research for seizures, but I do have research for febrile seizures and fevers. Mm -hmm. And it's been well documented that one, febrile seizures are not epilepsy. It's not the same thing. Lots of kids have normal functioning, healthy brains of the normal standards that we use and they'll have febrile seizures and it's not. And there's some documentation that actually shows that when they go through that process, there's a jump in development. They'll go from being a two-year-old who hasn't yet fully formed sentences to speaking fluently. They'll go from crawling to walking. And, and there's more in naturopathic medicine that we look at of even the inflammatory state or disease state that brought them into that fever. So whatever was going on, like 
all that I, I call a good cold or a flu exercise for the immune system. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you need a good whopping cold to like, and you know, we're in a yeah. pandemic right now giving the world's immune system a giant. And I'm curious, like, what's the upgrade that's going to come out of this? What's, mm-hmm. what are the downloads that are coming in? What are the things we're discharging? And a seizure is a form of discharge. It's like her body might have this pent up energy that finally gets to a point where she goes through the seizure process, but that completely resonates with my experience with my clients and with other similar circumstances where what actually happens is that there's a release and a shift and maybe even Mm -hmm. an up-leveling for her experience of life. It's like so exciting to hear you say that. You described it very well. I mean, I feel recreated (laughs) completely. Yeah. Yeah. At such a completely different way of experiencing your child having a seizure, you know? Well, and it's like a a blessing because there's, you know, over here have, I get, I get, the only thing that I can think of how to describe it is just peace of mind. Like there's, yeah, I have a concern that the pharmaceutical drug over time is going to, you know, build up and build up and build up and build up and create, whatever it does, right? The toxicity of that. And, you know, what do we, what do we do to eliminate that toxicity? But, you know, but for the most part, the listening that I have, it leaves me in a place of, of peace. Mm. And, and I know that my listening, that there's nothing wrong and there's nothing to fix. This is just what's so. I know that impacts her piece because if I'm you know worried and freaking out and all that she's going to absorb all that energy and how's that going to make any kind of difference in her healing yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. you said that's one place the conversation could go (laughs) what are some (laughs) of the others that are there for you well I don't, I I really don't know what she would say if she, if she could answer this question, but I would say her purpose here is to contribute to healing the world. And how many parents look at their children from that perspective? I don't know, really know where to go with that other than I, I just intuitively know that she is here to inspire given what she it had is dealing with given all mm-hmm. that she is here to inspire and and bring joy and love to the planet and we really could use that more of that and i think also still about that like okay there's where we can be empowered by the diagnostics where it gives us information like what is there things to be responsible for and what could be done that would make a difference for her mm-hmm. enjoyment and fulfillment in life. You know, like there's, there's that aspect of being with it. And it's interesting that like, and this is common with children with a different way of developing through life, right? We put the label on as delayed, but that's only against our right. years of research and our timeline of the way we've decided it's supposed to go versus she's just doing it differently. Like, like it's, it, she's developing when she's developing and she's creating, but then to be able to actually say mostly my child's way of being or, or as a person, not even as a child, her, 
her as a person, her way of being is being love and being joy pretty much all the time. And I've had the privilege of spending time with her. And that is exactly my experience of her, you know, (laughs) is just like love and joy. And yet we have the tendency to be like, well, there's this deficiency over there, but I'm going, it is there really? Like, I can't say that about my life that I've spent the majority of my time just being love and being joy, you know, like, so in that realm, I have a whole theory that ADD and ADHD is not at all a disability. It's really what's next. It's our brains evolving into the next level. And that many of the people that struggle with the diagnosis, what they're really struggling with is that we're the slow ones. Their brain's moving way faster than us. Most people can't keep up with them. They see things that most of us can't see and they're ready to get on when the rest of us are still catching up. And I'm like, you know, when you shift that context. So I think there's a lot of this that's happening in our human evolution where we're pushing mm-hmm. out to these new boundaries of ways of being and ways of acting and yeah. and all of that. So it's, I don't know, but I, I could see that statement of what you can perceive as her purpose in life and what she's here for is just a continuation of that. She's a, she's a, a physical example of like a real possibility in the world that for most of us mm-hmm. isn't the way that we live. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's um, just a pure privilege and joy to, to be the chosen one to guide. You know, I'm guiding and she's guiding and she's guiding me. You know, we're guiding daddy. We're guiding Nana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was very quick to let go in the beginning of the milestones, those standards that were set all made up what milestone she should be at by what age and it's quite silly when you look at it and that's even in the learning and in, in, in the education process too right each child just learns at their own pace and they learn differently you know some are touchy-feely some are visual it's just there's so much room right now for expansion and transformation and new ways of operating in this thing called a human being. Yeah. You know, and I think we're just on the, on the verge of a major explosion into, I don't want to say um, a new world, but (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And it, there's just such an opportunity. I mean, the more I learn about, history and particularly history of education, which, you know, impacts the decisions we make about our kids profoundly, a massive amount of the infrastructure that we still use was invented 400 years ago before we had the ability to print lots of books. And all it was, was a really logical solution to there's one book and we want a hundred people to read it. So one person would stand at the front of the room and read the book in front of everybody else. And that was a breakthrough at the time (laughs) to have people have access to the literature. Uh, we're a little beyond that at this point, but yet there's so many things where we still have the lecturer at the pulpit, the front of a room with a group of people sitting around like that physical structure of the way we even organize our classrooms is a 400 plus year old relic, you know? And I think that during the pandemic, one of the things that I know for lots of kids, there's been a lot of challenges to maintaining standards of education and keeping things there. But there's also been one of my good friends, son, I think he's 10 or 11. He's performing better than he ever has in this format. 
his way of being at home. He's showing up as a leader. He's wanting to contribute more. He like just took it on. Whereas you put him in a regular classroom and he's one of those off the wall kids who won't sit still and doesn't pay attention. But in this format, he's been thriving. She's never seen, he like gets himself up in the morning and like goes off to class because he's all excited about getting on his Zoom calls. Wow. And she's like, who is this kid? Wow. You know, so I think there's a, a kind of forced change in our structural format to it that it, it's going to be interesting what comes out of that for everybody. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So how about your journey? My journey really started when my daughter's journey started. I mean, it was a, it was a place in time when I was just really looking more into how to eat healthier, how to be healthier. You know, it was, it was right around that time frame, like 2009, when, you know, we started eating more organic and implementing supplements and things like that. But, but there was, you know, there was a point in my journey, probably like five years ago, where some blood work came back kind of abnormal looked like I was trying to fight off an infection, which I know didn't have anything to my knowledge. But then again, we all have viruses and parasites and fungi and all kinds of stuff in us. That Way more live, than we want to admit to. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. We live every day with that and don't even uh-huh. know it. But, you know, and it, it was, it was a little shocking to see the numbers at first, but then, you know, I just really, I just really got for myself too. What is the conversation that I'm having internally that contribute to my blood boiling for lack Mm. of a better word? (laughs) Mm. Really good. So I looked at that and then, you know, been responsible for getting those numbers checked every month and kind of, you know, maintaining. And then I don't, I just didn't, you know, there is a medical terminology in Western medicine that they assign to this particular number in your white blood cells. And I just don't relate to it. Like I have this condition. So I relate to it. Like I can, you know, really clear this in my, at the cellular level, I got to start with the conversation I am about that or whatever the thing is that had me, you know, cover something up or hide something or not be in communication about something that would have my blood boil. <laughs> so I've just yeah. been really responsible for healing myself kind of holistically. There's no, you know, drugs I'm taking and making sure, you know, I keep an eye on, like I said, the numbers and things like that. But I just declared that, you know, this is something that I brought about somehow you know, manifested it somehow, and I can clear it. So I look at other, other ways, other modalities to contribute to clearing it. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's not, it's not taking me down. It's not, you know, and I'm, and I'm fortunate and blessed to, to have this experience. You know, it's, it's, yeah. One of the common themes that's come up, and it's like, I notice even my own resistance to being really public about saying this, but at the same time, it's one of my most core beliefs in being a healer and being a doctor and working with people through this process is the gift that the 
diseased state is bringing to you. It's like there's this communication your body is expressing to you that when you get the communication, the symptoms will resolve or the numbers will resolve. And it's like, it's like a little part of us has gotten out of alignment or there's something suppressed or there's something withheld or there's something not yet expressed. You know, there's some people where they experience, and I can ask my clients and they, they'll tell me literally which camp they're in. I'm like, do you feel like something happened and you shrunk, you became less of who you are, you're not functioning fully, right? And that's where this disease is coming from. Or do you feel like you've been going through life and you're having a wake up call right now that's like bringing you forward to the next level of life? It's like, it's like to get through this next growth period, what there is to do is like shed some skin to detoxify, to let go of things at another level. Yeah. And that disease, the places where our body isn't functioning physiologically 100% optimally can come from either one of those directions, you know, and usually my immediately they're like, oh yeah, there was a divorce or there was an incident or I lost a business. And when that happened, I just, I shrunk down into myself. I stopped living fully. I stopped taking care of myself. And then we work on that. We, we like open them back up like a flower. And then there's other people that are like, no, things were like rocking. And then this mm -hmm. thing happened and we start to look at it through the lens of like, it's like your universe or your higher self has come down and tapped you on the shoulder and been like, that way you've been living until now just isn't sufficient for who mm. you are really and where you're going next or what there is to become. And it's an, it's a, it's an up leveling like we talked about with your daughter yeah. and that yeah. that can be in, in my experiences when we fully get the lesson, the communication, the thing that's there for us to, to uncover and discover it, that is when things start resolving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine if every, if all of humanity looked at their ailments and their diseases from that perspective, what kind of planet we would live on? One of my un, often unspoken taglines is that cancer is a gift and it's like, it pushes buttons, you know, and how much our language around disease is the war on it, fighting it, killing it off. <laughs> And it's like, you're killing the angel that's the messenger. Now, none of this is me standing over here saying people should suffer or you deserve it or any, it's not any of that. It's not coming from the blame. It's literally like, if you get to create a context around your experience, you know, like my sister went through, she was positive with COVID-19 early on as it was just coming up. And there was a lot of unknowns and about halfway through of four weeks with a fever super intense body aches, we started to discover that it was like the virus was going in and uprooting held places in her body that she'd had trauma. She literally got run over by a horse at one point. She'd had a history of some knee problems and it was like her chest went nuts. Her, her knee got really intense and we started to reshift it of like, not that there was damage being done, but there, there was damage being liberated that it was like the virus was like going in and cleaning these things out and allowing her to process and fully release. And we just created like, I don't know, why not make something up? We we're like, yeah. at the end of this, you're just not going to be the same human being. Like you will have resolved things. We're going to use this fever as an opportunity to release and let go and be done with a bunch of stuff from your past. I don't know, but why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very empowering. I mean, that's, yeah. And not everybody creates a context. So 
Yeah. It's, it's all choice. I mean, fundamentally, it all comes down to it's all choice. And I think, I mean, this episode in particular is an opportunity for some people who maybe have never even considered that. It just didn't, you know, it's like, it's not, sure. it's not in our inherited conversations. It's not in our everyday wheelhouse, which is a lot of what heal is all about, you know, yeah. and in particularly in this now, what I call, cause I made it up and I get to make it up season two of heal, yes. <laughs> you know, is I started to look at now what's the conversation to have. And I, and the thing that's been present for me is, is saying the unsaid, Mm. you know, being willing to start to have the conversations that aren't commonly had, like Mm. recontextualizing your daughter's experience and recontextual, well, not her experience, but your experience of your your daughter and what's possible around maybe the seizures aren't even a problem. Maybe that's actually her process of development and, just what it looks like for her yeah not a common conversation no yeah well hopefully the the listeners that are out there that haven't discovered this conversation before until now see something Mm -hmm. for themselves Mm -hmm. that's exciting (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly so like as as a mama Mm -hmm. of a special kid you know, what are some things you would want to share with other parents that are confronting these kind of circumstances? Well, I would say for sure, get connected to um, a group. You know, that's, that's by far been, it was a missing in the beginning for me. But then when I found a group, could be a local Facebook group. I mean, there's so many, right? But get plugged into other parents in a conversation just to bounce things off of, to be heard. That's first and foremost. And then I think really, I don't know, if you could wrap your head around the concept of like listening to your to your child, even when they're not saying anything and just sort of being like you being the space of like, I don't know how to describe it, the you being the foundation for sort of this, clearing of healing you know like there's a like there's a a confidence and a posture that you could create to empower yourself in taking care of a child that has extra extra needs you know there's a place you could come to where if you could if you could if you could find that place and there's peace of mind there knowing that you know your child came through you to you in this lifetime in this world right now for a reason you're the one don't make it wrong (laughs) it is like they're whole complete and perfect and you love them where they're at and uh, you know and 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 express gratitude every night you know there's i just i'm not a big journaler i don't write a lot of things down i just there's one thing I'm grateful for every night and I write it down what that one thing. And a lot of times it, it is something about my daughter. Usually nine times out of 10, it's usually something about, about her that I'm grateful for. So that would be my, that would be my advice yeah. or my contribution. Awesome. This is going to be a terrible question for you to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What would you say the like, 
biggest thing, the biggest lesson you've gotten from being her mom for you? It's a lesson that keeps on, (laughs) (laughs) lesson that keeps on, what's the word? I don't know. Uh, Thing I deal with a lot is, is it's slow down. Mm. You know, I'm a, I'm a mover and a shaker and I go, go, go. Now, the good thing is, is my daughter likes to go, go, go too. She like loves to be in the car and go here and go there, and which has been kind of hard right now, but really slow down and, you know, not be so, just not be so rushed. Yeah. It, it takes something for me to, to, just to slow down and look at the, the gift that this quarantine has been, right? Yeah. We have slowed down and then there's this, urge, you know, being at home Uh to get this done, get this done. Let's do that. You know, so, but I have, I have, I have slowed down and because what it allows for, what it opens up is an opportunity to be present in the moment. I mean, what we couldn't ask for more of a opportunity than right now to be present in the moment because it's in the moments those are the moments of our life. You know, we blink and that moment is in the past. I mean, look how quickly that moment is gone. (laughs) Yeah. My experience is like, it's been, there's been a lot more richness and it's really just because I'm like actually being present for it. I'm hanging out in those moments. I'm letting them linger a little slower in the morning. And and it's interesting because like technically my life has actually gotten a lot more full than it was like, I've had a virtual practice for nine years, so that didn't alter at all. And my expertise had been in higher demand. And then, oh, by the way, coincidentally, I had spent the last year planning to launch this project right at the midst of it all, you know, so, but yet even still the not jumping on an airplane, you know, every fourth weekend for a conference or an event and not, there's just, there's been this like not needing to cram it all in has made a huge difference for me. And I had a funny observation that I think I'm definitely holding on to, to apply to all of life. I noticed how happy I was in the first couple of weeks of quarantine. And I'm like, I mean, not about the state of world, but like personally in my day-to-day life, there was a level yeah. of happiness I hadn't had. And it was like, I stopped making my life wrong. I yeah. literally just like, there was nothing wrong with me being home alone on a Saturday night watching Netflix <laughs> anymore. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And yeah, I just yeah. literally, it became about what things today are going to fill my life with pleasure. And it's all like right here inside my house. I mean, my relationship with my dog is altered. We literally are like getting on like so well. He's like, it's like, I feel so close to him. <laughs> And he was driving me nuts this winter. And the main reason is because I wasn't giving him enough attention. I just wasn't paying attention to him. And he's, you know, a two-year-old puppy and he's 80 pounds and he doesn't know (laughs) all of that. And it was like, it's, I, I, it feels magical. Like, I don't really know, but actually if I look, I know exactly what happened. Like he's just gotten more of my attention and more of my energy has poured into him. And he's like totally chill now. It's like, it's great alteration. Yeah. More of your love. <laughs> yep. There's been more space for that. So, you know, we're in this circumstance that's granting us a lot of opportunities of self-discovery and f- experiencing things we maybe wouldn't have experienced otherwise. And then I'm already yeah. feeling a tug towards, okay, what does it look like to maintain that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I really Thank appreciate you. you taking the time this morning and, you know, there's yeah. a lot of richness in just one of your sentences. So I'm mm-hmm. glad we're going to let people mull this around because it's, it's a big one. And I thank you for just being there for us to dive right into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for what you do and what you provide and you're listening in the world and yeah, look forward to hearing more. Uh Uh-huh. See where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you. All right. We're going to sign off until next time. Thanks to today's guest, Wendy Burkhart, for her clarity and wisdom. For a full transcript and all the resources from today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. You can learn more about finding your own healing journey by going to sarahmarshallnd.com or following me on Instagram at sarahmarshallnd. Thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. We'll see you next time.